Hey, Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. Um, this is Zebras in America. I am Scott Thurow, not also known as Pedro Almodo Bars. And uh, we, are, we are here doing episode 169 of our podcast. You know, still, still remote, still remote, but that's okay. Yo, you know what's kind of dope, Marcus? What? Back in the day, having a moat. A moat? Yeah, you never heard of a moat? No. What? Like, are those, what? No. Like, like water between your castle and the land? Oh, that's what, see, that's what I thought you said. Yeah, so no, I never had that. No, I'm not saying you had a moat. Do you know, like, I don't think. Oh, you mean back in the day, back, like when they were an actual thing? That would have been tight. Yeah. Don't you think? Having like a little water thing to stop sure. people from coming through. True, yeah. Trying to mess with me, you can take a swim. Yeah. Have like alligators. Or uh, you seen Johnny Mnemonic? Of course. You know, we could just have like a laser dolphin at the moat. Okay. I feel like one of your friends, probably their their ancestors had a moat. Yeah, probably. But, but I don't want to say the name and you'd be like you have to edit that out so i'm just gonna oh i see all right that that's enough moving on <laughs> so um marcus yes you're about to be a dad uh yeah by the time this episode comes out it, damn it, it be, uh maybe we should uh we'll see yeah who knows we're on we're three days late now I don't want to say anything, but there's the possibility. No, you know what? Screw that. By damn it, by September third. Yeah, no, I better be. Oh man, yeah. So how are you doing, man? Like, uh, what is it like to think about bringing a, a human into this world? Uh, it's great. It's very. I mean, this is my first time. This is our first time, both myself and my wife. So we're just kind of. Taking it day by day. It's very strange. Since he's been due, we've had two separate appointments just to see what's going on. Because, yeah, he, he was due three days ago. And this is... Um, and I guess, you know, I, I hear that it's not like... Obviously, nothing's 100% of the time. But a lot of times, first-timers, first first children are late. My wife was five days late. I mean, I was a week early. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I mean... He's fine. The heart's everything's good. He just doesn't want to come out. That's all. And at least it's not one of those elongated things where like my wife is having these contractions and then, but we still have to stay home. Like she's fine outside of the obvious discomfort of essentially being nine months pregnant. She's she's fine. She's in the she's in the living room right now watching reruns of Gossip Girl. The old so, Gossip Girl or the new Gossip Girl? Uh, the old, but she watches the new one also. I kind of like the new Gossip Girl, but I think that's just because, like, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was a, it was a whole. The, I'm talking about the original one was a whole phenomenon that I completely didn't even. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know anything about it until like after the fact. Well, we, you and I were, you know, not the target audience. Sure, we were, sure, sure. We were in our mid twenties, where like, you were 
DJing and figuring out your work stuff. I was trying to be a successful rap singer, producer. Yeah. I was focused on different stuff. And, I, you know, I didn't know about that sort of show. I did. Actually, that's not true because I really fuck with Degrassi, the next generation. I watched, I rewatched, I started to get into it when that was another thing. So, last quarantine. It seems like my wife like will pick a show. Last quarantine, we're still in to, quarantine. I meant to. This is how I meant to say last year. Last oh. year's quarantine. Uh, one enough. of the shows that she went back to rewatch uh, was that, and I kind of got into it like the last two seasons. It was interesting, especially coming from you know I, and I'm in that weird space too, where when the original Degrassi came out, I was like a little too young, but I do still yeah. remember it. I still remember it because mm-hmm. um, it was on channel thirteen. And the tone, the tone was so like, of the original one, just seemed more serious. And not to say that the latest Degrassi, I'm talking about the latest, latest one, not the Drake one, but the one after. Oh, I don't know that one. I know the Drake one and the OG one. And the Drake one, like, like literally Drake's character was in a school shooting and was in a wheelchair. Yeah, that, that was, one I didn't watch. That, but, but that I, show I know was about mad it. serious. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yo, you ever watch Skins, the 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 British one? No, no, I ha- no. Is that any good? Yeah, it's really good, actually. Okay, I, I don't know. I, we I hear just a lot of stuff about it. The thing, the thing that I think about, you know, like as you know, you're you're about to bring a child into the world, and and it's something that that I'm thinking about, that we're thinking about, obviously, because there's many different. Um, shapes and sizes and ways that people have families, but yeah. for for my normative relationship, it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. So we're both thinking about it. Sure. And I think of that the fact now American shows are starting to show childhood in a way that is, I don't want to say real because nothing about being filmed is real, but it's very interesting that Canada. And Britain and other places, they, they would do shows like Degrassi or Skins where it's like actual young people doing actual young people stuff. And sure. Where in, in America, the actors are often much older. Even our favorite new Spider-Man, Tom Holland, is, I think he's in his mid-twenties. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I remember when the movie Kids came out, you know people being like is it really like this and I, and I said in some ways it there's right. you know it's overblown some of the really terrible behavior was it was not endemic to every friend group even though there there were definitely horror stories but my teenage years in New York City in the 90s were crazy I, I imagine so, but then at the same time, see that the, the thing, I don't, I I completely agree with that, but I I do remember when kids coming out, and also kids spawned like a, a, quite a few knockoff type movies, but I do remember it being like oh the city, and it's just like, what do you think teenagers do in like small towns when there's nothing to do, just like just oh, as much meth. degenerate crazy stuff, they or do not, meth. Even, not even meth, like just they weird, do meth and murder people, or murder murder is the thing too. Um, but the fact that they, there's they start you know, Donnie Brooks, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I finally watched that movie, bro. 
Oh, that's right. I don't think you reported back. You were like, I'm going to watch it, and I don't think we talked about it after. Uh, what did you think? Why? They said Donnybrook a lot in the movie. Like, they said the name of the movie a lot. The, the movie, movie. Donnybrook was like a sci-fi tale without sci-fi. It was like a magical realism hmm. about a reality of poor people that had to fight to to get out of this mythical town and there were villains and violence and a lot of it just made very little sense. Yeah. It had Frank Grillo in it who yeah. who I'm starting to really enjoy as an action actor. Not to say starting to cuz he's been around for a long time. He but is. uh what was the name of Ryan Gosling's movie? Which which one? No, that he directed. Oh, oh. Um, Lost River. R- R- uh, Lost River. You know how, how Lost River is sort of like a fairy tale of um, a modern world? Yes. I felt like Donnybrook was, was Lost River without any charm and... Sure. Unnecessary violence against young people. I didn't. I didn't like it, but I didn't. I have to. Ca- I, I, I didn't have to care for the the. I didn't care for really any of it. So the the best observation, and I have to, because it's just too good to not mention that friend of the show, multi time guest John Cribbs, said we all saw this movie together uh, when it premiered at, at TIFF. And when the actual like fighting tournament, when you actually get there, it's like, you know, they make a point. It's like all these bad dudes, there's guys with like guns and, and security and there's like bikers and everything. And it's like this unruly place. Right. But but John was like, so there's all these bad guys around and everything is crazy and unruly. But in order to fight the Donnybrook, you still have to sign your name on the sign up sheet. Remember, they, they, they were like passing around this like clipboard. If you want to fight in the dining brook, make sure you sign up. It's just really, it's just not consistent. It's like we don't have any rules over here. But hey, did you bring your, uh, did you bring your sign up sheet? Make sure to sign the pamphlet if you want to fight. It's just very yeah it's to the very, death. Yeah, uh, it's yeah to the death. Yeah, I'm not gonna spoil too much, but there is a really cool, authentic pro wrestling move that Jamie Bell uses at the very end. And he, he, he executes it excellently. He's got a nice camel clutch going. Um, but yeah, that movie, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. So, what do you, so the reason why I pivoted to that is because I think about when we become parents, we hope that our children don't have to go through some of the hardships we all, but we also want our children to learn and be their own people and absolutely f- figure out who they are. But I grew up with people who used to dip their cigarettes in Coke and watch Star Trek. And I don't think that I want my children to... I would like my children to avoid that part. Sure, of course. That's just what, I, you know, um, what do you, you know, this sounds We trite. used to like, we used to like 
instead of like egging, we used to take like pieces of fruit and throw them at houses. And we would often like break windows and stuff like that. Again, small town living, you know. He can't really, I don't imagine us moving out of New York City. I don't ever. I mean, if, you know, never say never. But in a place like New York City, my son could not do that. And get away with it. I, although I don't want him to do that anywhere. So that's an example of just like dumb stuff I did as a kid. I wasn't into like drugs and stuff um, when I was young, even though they were readily available. But um, yes, th- these are like all the things I think about, and it's like, you know, like I'm I'm happy, I'm excited, but then there are there's already like worries about stuff, and it's like he's not going to be you know, ten, eleven, twelve years old. For quite some time, and that's the stuff that I'm already thinking about and worried about. When he's a little kid, it, it's it's whatever, you know. But like when he gets to that double digit age, I'm like, oh man, remember this and remember this. Like, you know, I know I, I don't want to, and I do sincerely mean this. I don't want to make this a thing. I don't want to upset or offend anyone about gender. But for the time being, he's a boy, so I'll just refer to him as, as that. But it's like stuff that boys go through and not that girls don't but it's just like there is a separate thing that there's some similarities but still there's stuff girls go through that boys will know nothing about and there's stuff that boys go through that girls will know nothing about and i think about that stuff too just the whole like thing of like girls test each other obviously but boys test each other too unnecessarily just like like the physical way they do it just like want to fight like that stuff is so true like i just remember thinking back like why was i you know, like as as a boy, or as a little boy, or like in my preteens or early teens, in my tweens, it's like, why were we fighting? They just wanted to fight me, or like these two boys just wanted to fight. Like that stuff right. worries me. You know, it's just the way boys are, unfortunately. Yeah, I just it's just like, but I I I don't know. So, do all boys fight? Is I, all no, I, I would. I'd say I, at, I'm, at, I'm not no, done just, with my. No, thought. no, no. I'm just interjecting real quick. One out of two, at least. But go ahead. So I was listening. I was reading some writings by this uh, podcast I really like called Southpaw, which is a mixed martial arts podcast that, but it comes from a leftist perspective. Hmm. So, so they're they all. They do the work, they do the reading, you know, mm-hmm. and they've been positing that they think that what we think of as toxic masculinity is actually uh, a form of of white supremacy, because a lot of the a lot of the things that we think of as what a man is are based on Western white traditions. So. Can you expl- can you like such such as I'm going to I'm going to give an example as okay. per what this person wrote. Okay. And yeah, please. Yes. Cuz then and they're they're an Asian they're Asian um Asian American. Mhm. If you're an Asian American cishet man, you might have been harassed as a kid for being gay or feminine. Maybe it still happens. But why? Because we don't perform gender according to white standards. That makes me think how much of what we think of as masculinity is white supremacy. Okay. I'm not saying he didn't put a lot of research into that. Because you can't make a statement like that and not do some serious research. But no, I just this, person, think... this person does the work. This is That's uh, on Twitter. That's Liberation MMA. 
and right. Southpaw Pod, uh, Liberationist MA, sorry. Because sure. um, I found, to give a little, there's a lot going on in the martial arts world. Mm-hmm. A year ago, so a year and a half ago, as COVID started, the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu world started being anti-science, pro-science, and that created a splinter. Mm-hmm. Then the murder of George Floyd happened, and then it, that created a splinter. I can imagine. And then about two, two weeks ago, some pretty bad allegations of, of misconduct between men and women mm-hmm. surfaced, and that's created a super large splinter because a lot of people are saying, well, we don't know the story, even when there are actual stories, or this is a cultural thing, but that's, that's bullshit. Like if, if a, I'm going to use the word, the term sensei because it's easier shorthand, Mm -hmm. but if a sensei who's 30 years old is dating their student starting from the age of 14, whoa, that you can't just say, oh, it's cultural. Yeah, I, I don't know about what, what the thirty-year-old guy has in common with a fourteen-year-old. And, and I am, I am but there's, judging there, on that one. There's, but also there's a lot of stuff because there's also power dynamics. There's grooming. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are calling the word grooming like this a new buzzword, like dismissing That's also it. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I don't like. No. Because that's really that really is a thing, and it happens across many dynamics. It's not always sexual. It could be male to male, female to female, female to male, male to female, non-binary. It can happen, and so a lot of these martial artists are are drawing lines in the sand, or. You know, there's a lot of gyms that I won't even ever go to again because they're not, they're refusing to deal with this stuff and they're perpetuating these ideas of masculinity or machismo Mm -hmm. that I don't think are, I don't know. It's just like, where, where does this come from? What does this come from? Is this... Is this just how men are? I, I don't think so. Is oh, mm. Go ahead. That's no, my what? little placeholder. No, oh, I was just saying, what I was trying to get into earlier was every example, I'm sure there's more, but I'm just saying, the basic example that you gave, that that guy gave, it's not just, it's not really about white supremacy. I, I do think it's gender and not race i i i I genuinely do especially back then if we're talking about the root of things men were like terrible and i'm not trying to sound like one of those guys like i'm proud to be a man i like men i like manhood but in terms of just factual historical evidence men not just white men but like you can go to african empires asian empire like since the beginning of time and if you want to go that route too I'm, i'm not even trying to oversimplify this work that this guy has done but it's like if everything started in africa and you look at how things were ran there where there were darker people it's just like i don't know if it's white supremacy in this particular case i do think it's genetic i think it's just something with men i do i think that they're yeah well it depends like if we're saying like oh men like to roughhouse and be aggressive 
I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I think this is not, this is not the where the where I'm really trying to to veer out. But okay, I do think that the goal is, and I see this a lot with new generations, is not not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and seeing like positive things that our parents implemented in us and also adding to it. Mm-hmm. The idea of raising our next generation with strength and love and honesty and sensitivity and talking about feelings and and let it, like we know that a lot of a lot of anger comes from being misunderstood. So trying to understand people, trying to listen to people, trying to understand. And that children do need do have a lot of energy. So when 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 back in my day, when you and I were sent out to play with our friends and scuff our knees and go on adventures, there was less energy to to do other stuff. And mm. A lot of kids right now, for many reasons, including the pandemic, are inside, in their minds, not interacting, and that creates a lot of other energy. So I think there's a lot of stuff. But I also just wanted to ask, you know, what are some of your favorite movies about fatherhood, and what are some, you know, memories that you have with your dad with movies? Oh man, I mean, I'll get to that. The movies, I'll just I'll sum it up because it's it can either be something quick or we'll, it'll be like a five episode series. But movies with my dad were just like a thing. Like my dad was someone who wouldn't call himself a cinephile. I don't even think my dad knew what that word was until like I brought it up. But like, yeah, my dad my, definitely wasn't. But but I also think generationally, your dad's age, my dad's age, it's just it's one of those things where there was no line in the sand. It's like. You liked Robert Altman and Werner Herzog just as much as you liked uh, Sylvester Stallone, like Rocky and Rambo. It was just like a thing. It's just like if movies came out, you just watch it and you liked it. There was no like, this is high art. This is this kind of horror. This is indie. This is art house. This is mainstream. Like they like every. And to be honest, everything was made readily available. Like there, there were periods of time where like you could go to a movie theater and see like a John Cassavetes movie and an Oliver Stone movie, early movie, you know, and like a Francis Ford Coppola movie all in the same theater. And there would be like lines around the block and people would see, you know what I'm saying? So I say all that to say I. It, my earliest memories are watching movies with with my dad. He didn't have much of a filter. Like, if he was just watching something and I'd come in the room, he would just let me watch along with him. There was no, like, oh, hey, you can't see this. You know what I mean? So, I I, honestly, I mean, movies are kind of maybe, like, the top three thing when I think about my dad because he just watched them a lot and I watched with him. Um, As as far as, like, movies that I like, you know, about fatherhood, I mean, naturally... I think Tree of Life is something yeah. that that, com, com, that comes into play, um, and you know, not not so much the offshoot movies, even though you know, because Tree of Life is kind of like this unofficial like quadrilogy of movies about Terrence Malick's life to some degree. You know, you got Knight of Cups and Song of Song, maybe trilogy. To the Wonder doesn't really. 
delve into that. It does kind of delve into like fatherhood, like stepfatherhood. But still, um, I think of all those movies, Tree of Life is, is the best one. I think there's a lot of the, 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 the trauma and stuff that folks mm-hmm. have in, like, say, Song to Song and Night of Cups. I don't really relate to that. But in Tree of Life, I think for me, that's like, and, and even putting race aside, because that deals, you know, it's like a very white Texan family versus like a black Queens guy and a black South Carolina mother who moved to Amber. It, it's just not that. But in terms of just the base of fatherhood, Brad's, Brad Pitt's character a lot in many ways reminds me of, of how my dad was. And I think when Tree of Life first came out, a lot of criticism, not criticisms, but criticisms of the character that Brad Pitt was playing was like, oh, he's such a harsh dad. He's such a harsh dad. And it's just kind of like, not really. I mean, I, 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 fortunately slash unfortunately, however you want to look at it, just the way that men raise boys, it's different than how they raise girls. They're a little harder. And I think this kind of tie does tie back into what you were saying earlier, just like, the way adult men are around little boys and the way little boys are around adult men, it's just different than with, with females. It, it just, it, it is. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just saying it is what it is. And the, and just as much as people were just like, oh, he fussed at his kids a lot and like he might have yoked them up a little bit, but it was also like there's so many scenes in that movie where he's like hugging and kissing them. There's so many scenes in that movie where he says he loves them. And then there's like one poignant scene where, he, where Brad Pitt says he's like, you know, you and your brothers are the greatest thing that I've made, you know, in my life. You know what I'm saying? And I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think people get it now. But when that movie first came out, there were so many important scenes that people looked over. Because generally speaking, dads do kind of get a bad rap in movies. Generally speaking, it's either like they're these evil, dysfunctional guys that caused all this trauma, or they're just kind of nothing paperweights. Or when people do try to make an honest attempt at making like a good dad character. It's a little not realistic. Like, you know, for example, I, I, I appreciate the effort to make J.K. Simmons' dad character in Juno a, um, like, the good dad. But it's like, you can still be a good dad and be, like, if your teenage daughter gets pregnant, like, like what? What the hell? Like, you know, like, there is that immediate, but, like, throughout the whole movie, he's just like, okay, it's okay. We'll deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that eventually comes, but there was just like no anger. He's just like the most understanding, and it goes bigger than being a parent. Just human beings, like no human being is that understanding. Period, even initially. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like Brad Pitt's character, the the dad character in in Tree of Life is just he's he's a complicated guy, and it sounds mad generic, but humans are. And when you become a dad and you're responsible for another person, there's all that responsibility, and you have all this pressure. So it's kind of like you're never going to be perfect. No, and I, and, I, and 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 I think that you know too. And it's it's funny. I, I drew a comparison between this and the next movie I wanted to bring up. But like, Mo Better Blues is another great dad movie. Oh and yeah. It's like, it, it, but it's like sneakily because generally speaking, oh, it's a movie about jazz and all this stuff. But like, it's bookended. The movie is book literally bookended by fatherhood. Yeah, and it's it, a, it's about know. it's about legacy. Yes. The, it, yes. 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 And I, you know, already, even without my son being born, I just don't even like to think about this scene just because it's like, if there's one thing my dad wanted was to be a grandparent, that's like at, at a certain age when he's yeah. okay, you're settled, yeah. you have a career, everything, he would just kind of, in a playful yet serious way, he would hound me like, when am I going to get a grandkid? When am I gonna, you know, and unfortunately he passed away. And there's this scene, there's this, the most, it, it might be, it's not his best movie, but in terms of his best directed sequence, the period in towards the end of Mo Better Blues when we see 
it's kind of like a pre-tree of life thing when Denzel Washington becomes a uh, a dad and you see him go from the childbirth scene to him taking his son to school and all this stuff. Then there's this like moment within the sequence where they take the baby to see the dad for the first time and he's like so excited before they even get in the house. Denzel Washington's father runs out to greet him. He's like, he looks just like me. And I know that that's like exactly... Mm-hmm. My dad was my dad wasn't that excitable of a guy, but that's pretty. That, that's kind of s- similar to how he he would react. Also, the the actor I've, I'm I'm sorry, I forgot that guy's name. He's in quite a few Spike Lee movies, but that actor in a way kind of looks like my dad to, to to some degree. So there's also that. So um, definitely Mo, 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 Mo Better Blues is, is 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 another one that's just like oh man, yeah, yeah. If I can if I can uh, say a couple things because of course, please. I've been. I've been writing, I've been taking notes because I, I wanted to do this episode like a freestyle style so I don't have like notes notes but as we were talking I've been writing some things down but I just want to say, you know, my my father passed away when I was 16 and one of the things that makes me the most upset is the last movie we saw together was Snake Eyes. Oh, wow. The Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, do you have your headphones in? Everything is in, yes. Okay. There's like a weird feedback, but hopefully it's not a thing. And my my dad wasn't really that into cinema, so we saw movies a lot. We saw lots of movies, but they were almost all violent. Mm. But it was so wonderful. And, and I, I, plan, I plan one day doing what what we did but in a healthier way because my dad had an unhealthy relationship with food and I have and had an unhealthy relationship with food so our thing was if a new Van Damme movie or Steven Seagal or Minton Marimino or whatever would come out we would go to Roy Rogers because we were going we were going to Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn because they had a big ass movie theater and we would make a day out of it, father-son bonding time. And we would go to Roy Rogers, get get some sandwiches, go to the movie theater, get some snacks, watch a movie, then we go to the arcade, play some video games, and then split like a, a Whopper on the way back. Mm-hmm. And I want to enjoy this too, but I think gonna want to do it a little healthier because i think i think that i think that really did inform some of my unhealthy relationships with food but i think having rituals that we do with our parents is fun and this the second to last movie we saw together was there's something about mary right and we just freaking loved that movie we were laughing from beginning to end it's funny as shit. That movie is. I tell you, man. I you know. I, if I can interject real quick, a lot of film people love to talk about like, oh, these directors had these like crazy runs. But it's like the Fairly Brothers, from Dumb and Dumber, through I, I myself. I'll say me myself on Irene. I know you well, like Shallow Hell, but it's like no, regardless, you always like talk good about that movie. Well, I, I, either way, they had a hell of a run of like Dumb and Dumber. Something about Kingpin. Something about Mary. Me, myself, and Irene. That is such an that is an insane run to me. And me and my, me, myself, and Irene is amongst other things a film about fatherhood. 
Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, I was just thinking about some movies about fatherhood. And, um, I was, you know, I we talked about this, and I know that you don't like this movie that much. But Jersey Girl... The the father daughter relationship is really special. Of course it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I yeah I I've watched that more times than I can think of. And yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. And and you know, obviously, I'd be remiss. I don't think this is a movie about positive father son relationships. But Freddie Got Fingered is at its core a movie about a man looking for acceptance from his father yes absolutely yeah, I was going to get to that yeah absolutely what were you going to say no I was just going to list Freddy Got Fingered I wasn't going to say it as poignantly as, poignantly as you <clears throat> but Freddy Got Fingered is another movie on, on my list that I actually can't wait to like share with my son also it, it, it's interesting I'm living <clears throat> to some degree vicariously through another former guest friend of the show Chris Funderburg you know his son is 11 now and so often our conversations are about like the movies that he's now he's he he is so excited he's like oh it's going to be you know my son's first time seeing the thing it's going to be his first time seeing RoboCop it's going to you know and I, and I remember those moments too and it's like I can't wait to to have those I think Freddy Got Fingered is like the perfect movie to like yeah, it's rated R, but it's not like the, it's not like a hard R. You know what I'm saying? I think there's enough like dookie, poopy, jokey humor that he'll get when he's like nine or ten, and then when he gets older, he'll revisit it and be like, "Oh, this is actually a little deeper," which is great. Like that's kind of how like Pee Wee's Big Adventure was to me. Like when I was a kid, when I was like you know six, seven, eight, it was like the funniest thing ever. And then I got to my teens and my twenties, and I was like, "Oh, some of this humor is really dark," and it kind of slid through because that movie's only rated PG. And it's like, technically, this is like PG-13, almost R-rated territory. But Tim Burton did it in such a clever way that it just... And that's all, and that's just generally, that's just a signs of signs of a good movie where it's like, at one age, it means this to you. And then at this age, it, it means this. You know what I'm saying? It just stays with you. So I think, I'd, I'd like Freddie Got Fingered to be that, to be that for, you know, for, for, for my son. Because I didn't get to, you know, that movie came out when we were adults, or legal mm-hmm. adults, I guess I should say. Like that that that's a movie I would have loved to watch when I was like nine or ten, you know, and go to school the next day, and talk to my friends about it or quote stuff from it, like in the fifth grade. So, yeah, yeah, I think you know another one, Mr. Mom. Speaking of movies with my dad and movies about fatherhood, Mr. Mom is like a great example. I can't not think of my dad and think of that movie. My dad would quote that movie a lot. And it is. It's like such a, and it was such an early example because you know that movie was like early '80s, mm-hmm. and since the early '80s, it, it's even to today. It's a little. I, I will say, in the last decade, it's been better. But for like twenty, from like nineteen ninety through like two thousand ten, the trope of like the dad in the commercial who's left alone with like the baby or the kids, and it's like, what do I do? I don't know how to do anything because it's a baby and I'm not a woman. That was such a thing. And Mr. and Mr. Mom was like so ahead of its time because you know when you think about it, the early '80s, we were like the, technically, depending where we are in the 1960s, it wasn't even 20 years difference. And even in the 1960s, there was that nonsense. 
kind of the bad side of the Norman Rockwell lifestyle of like the mom does this, the dad goes to work, he comes home after a hard day, pats the kids on the head, and then he just kind of ignores them. And it's like Mr. Mom kind of, you know, challenged that a lot, you know, mm-hmm. without meaning. And that's another thing, too, without like when you watch that movie, it's just it's like a silly comedy and it's a comedy about a, a single dad. I'm sorry, a, a, a homemaker. He's not single. A, a dad who has to stay home and take care of the kids. But they don't do it in this forced, kind of like in-your-face way. It's just a natural, organic thing. And I think that's what I love about it the most. And that's another movie that, you know, watched it with my dad when I was five and six. And now I'm 40 years old, and it's like, I can't wait to be that. It has, like, two different meanings at two different points, you know, in my life. So, Mr. Mom is definitely, is absolutely up there. It's such a great, great movie. And funny, too. Perfect family movie. You can laugh at it. If you're five or if you're fifty, in my opinion. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I have I have a couple Please, that I yeah. just keep on on thinking about. Um, so the this one when it came out, it was like two years after my dad passed away. So I have a special place in my heart for it. I think, but mm-hmm. that's got to be Big Fish. Of course, of course. Just I, I, depending on who you ask, it's it's Tim Burton's last good movie, which, mm-hmm. considering that that's nearly twenty years ago, it's kind of uh, it's kind of rough. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's 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 a movie to watch. You know, after after your father passes away and you you want to cry. Sure. You, I feel like yeah. I feel like that's a movie if I watch. Now, because I haven't watched that movie in a long I don't know if I've watched that movie since I saw it in the theater, but if I watch it now, it might hit different without me even realizing it. You know what I mean? Oh, it definitely will. Wow, like, 2004. Wow. Yeah. Damn near. Damn near. 17. F- yeah. God. Yeah. T- two decades. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where does mm-hmm. the time go? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so. It's really very good. And when you're ready, I think uh, Thunder Road from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is, you know, M two may put me onto it. It was like a movie that got through Sundance with no famous people. It was like a an actual. Oh, sure. oh okay. Yeah, like, you're right. Like an actual, an, an actual independent movie, and right. it's about a like a cop who just lost his mom, and mm-hmm. it's. But it, like, I didn't want to recommend it to you right as. You know your your mother passed away. Sure, sure. But I think it's a really good movie and and represents uh, grief really well. Okay. Um, then obviously, you know, you the some of the Royal Tenenbaums, you know, Life Aquatic, are like a couplet of films about fatherhood. Not you could necessi- throw, throw Rushmore in there also. Yeah, I guess you could. You know, those are those are movies about fatherhood, not necessarily, not really being a good father, but mm-hmm. you know, fatherhood nonetheless. And movies that I enjoy, "To Sleep with Anger," is about fatherhood in generational yeah. fatherhood. Yes. Um, Princess Bride is about one of the major one of the major cruxes is, is Inigo Montoya. Yeah, who's who's upset about his father? And if you want to start crying, Google 
TikTok Mandy Patinkin um, Princess Bride, and you'll just he's a gem. I wa- man, you know what? I'm oh, I can't believe you brought that up. So it, I, I was just thinking, and I, and I mean this in 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 the good in a good and nicest way possible. There's like a whole generation of younger folks who kind of discovered Mandy Patinkin through the show Homeland, and of course, Princess Bride is such a timeless movie. Princess Bride is kind of with every generation to some degree because it's such like a family movie to watch. So there's like generations of people, just millions of, of kids and, and young adults who don't know that like when Mandy Patinkin first came out, his whole thing, he was a diva. He was very oh, yeah. difficult to like oh, that yeah. was his reputation. And that's why, you know, like in the 80s, he was the man. And then as the late 80s, as the late 80s and early 90s came around. He was in less and less stuff, but he came out of the gate just like because he also kind of had like it wasn't so much he can act; he can also sing really good. So he was this like talent, multi talented guy. Sing, but sing really good is like an understatement for yeah, his sorry, type sorry. of voice. Sorry, like yeah, yeah, people's. Yeah, yeah. Pe- yeah. He's considered amongst my tribe as one of the finest Jewish singers. Uh, oh wow! Of, our, of, of nice. yeah, I didn't yeah. know it was like that. Wow! No, it's like that, bro. Oh, good it's for like, him. It's like that. But he, through, I mean, and I guess this is before he was such a presence on so, on so, social media, but like over the years, clearly I guess he, maybe he was humble, but I don't want to uh, speculate. But now with so, social media, it's just like, he's just like lovable, like uncle granddad kind of guy, you know, and I kind of like that he has this like new thing in his career which was like the opposite of what his reputation once was i think there's something beautiful about that where it's just like you know i was in these i was in a a nice handful of important movies in the early and mid 80s now i think i'm the shit and i want all these crazy demands and at a certain point people are just like you know what we don't really want to deal with you and now he has this like whole new career and it's just you know i think it's great i was just think i was just thinking that because i was watching the tiktok that you're speaking of and it was just like, wow, that he really kind of changed his way. Like, there's this great clip of, um, this was like a little, 2019, it wasn't that long ago, he was on a talk show, and in the middle of the talk show, one of the hosts, like, had to get up and run out, because, like, his wife was just get, giving birth, wow, to bring it full circle. Mm-hmm. And he, and he, he got, M- Mandy Patinkin got started, he thought he, like, offended the guy, because, like, the guy got up and, like, walked off, and he was like, what? What did I say? What did I do? And then the people, the producers, like, no, 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 his wife is going into labor. And then as the guy was running out of the studio, Mandy Pink was like, "Oh my God, Mazeltov! Oh, congratulations!" It's just he's just such like a a nice, lovable guy now. It's great. Yeah, it's a great Mandy Patinkin clip. If you haven't seen it, Google like Mandy of Patinkin birth. Oh, okay. I'm, well, no, I'm talking to, to 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 the listeners also. Even though this feels like it's just been me and you chatting, like without recording on a podcast, but yeah. <laughs> I mean that's sort of what our podcast is, bro. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, and then obviously, uh, Paper Moon. I'd be remiss. Oh my gosh! Even yeah. though it's yeah, it's yeah, it's a yeah, movie yeah. about, you know, a bad father, and, and you know, I yeah, don't yeah, even... he is, he is, he is. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that gets said enough. It's like, oh, he's. A, I think people dance around the hard ass fact that he's a bad father. You, you know what I'm saying? But uh, because there's, it is a comedy and mm-hmm. all this stuff, but it's just like, God, why do you treat your daughter like that? I mean, I understand he just found out he had a daughter, but it's no excuse. It's like, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard Paper Moon said it's like, 
yeah, he's a bad father. And people, oh, it's dysfunctional. Oh, it's wacky. Oh, it's unconventional. But no. Like, no, he's just a bad father. No, it's literally. He puts his daughter in fucking danger, like her life in danger, like all the time. Yeah. It's literally about a a man using his probably daughter. He never admits to her being his daughter, even True. though it's even though it's played by real life father and daughter. And yes. Pete Bogdanovich's uh, third movie, I believe it is. Yeah, and. Why am I thinking Chan and Tatum? But no, Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill plays the right, daughter right. and yeah. young, at the time the youngest person to win an Oscar. And yeah. it's a black and white movie about grifting. Yeah. It's, you know, I got to I don't know if you're going to going to fuck with this, but I think it really has to be said. One of one of the greatest movies about fatherhood from the 90s is a motherfucking goofy movie. Well, I it's not I haven't seen it, but um I don't know. Are you I'll, serious? I'll take your word. No, I have never seen a goofy movie. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Dude, the music has no business being as good as it is. Uh, oh wow. The story is about, you know, this father trying to get to know his son as he's getting older, and there are mistakes made, but mm-hmm. let me tell you, bro. Goofy movie is is dope seriously okay. then maybe um, i'll hold off and, and wait and watch it with my son when he's like old enough to understand things oh amazing and then obviously you got um to kill a mockingbird oh wow that's a that's an interesting one yeah how many people name their kids atticus hoping that you know have you seen uh have you seen this was that actually the this one's not that great, but you know you know how I feel about the movie Jaws. Of course, same way as I do. Yeah, it's another uh, movie that my dad liked a lot. And well, on this podcast, you made this was many episodes ago. You talked about this one particular scene, and I was like, "Oh, that's my dad's favorite scene in, yeah. in Jaws," because it's a very dad scene. Give me a kiss. Yeah, because I need it. Yeah, and I and. You know, I actually I, I say that to Sasuke all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, give me a kiss, cause I need it. <laughs> and she and she just thought it was me being weird, which is true. Yeah. Uh, bicycle thieves, lone wolf and cub. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Oh, yo, you know what I realized though? Uh, the movie that we've been supposed to talk about for a bit. Suicide Squad, the twenty twenty one one, mm-hmm. is ostensibly uh, a movie about parenthood. Absolutely. Well, so is the so the two thousand sixteen one. Also, I mean, they use pretty much the Peep, same storyline to some degree for true particular characters. But no, but Peep Game, right? You got mm-hmm. you got uh, blood, not bloodshot, uh, blood sport, blood sport, yeah. blood sport. Jesus, yeah. Idris Elba's character, who yeah. is the way who he is, because. His father was terrible to him and is trying to avoid doing that to his daughter. But then when Amanda Waller does some whack stuff, he he steps up. And then you have the polka dot man who is who he is because of his relationship to his mom. And then you have the the rat catcher 
who oh right duh Jesus yeah yeah who's like yeah. the only who's like kind of a nice person in some ways and part of that is because the kindness of her father and and I'm sure this this works more and more with some of the other characters I I think Captain Boomerang is 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 many people lines of Captain Boomerang and and I mean I think. I want to stay on this topic of movies about fatherhood and this vibe, but my short review of Suicide Squad is I think it's James Gunn's most realized movie because he was able to take his the best parts of his early stuff like Super and Tromeo and Juliet and work on Tromeo and his ability to work with you know a gigantic cast of characters with Guardians of Galaxy, it seems like the the missing the missing ingredient from Guardians of Galaxy is an R rating. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Because with the violence and the tone, uh, you have what, in my opinion, is is James Gunn's best movie. I mean, it's very new, but at the same time, I don't know if I can disagree with that. There, there's such it, it, it's interesting too if there's ever an example of like hey this is the thing that this director has been working towards his whole life like you gotta you know it's like he tested the waters with super and then he got in bed with marvel and now he's doing this like to some degree triage not to the specific movie but to the legacy of suicide squad on film it's like it's like an extra challenge. It's like, okay, this is an indie superhero movie with Super, and now it's like a big superhero movie with Guardians of the Galaxy. And now it's also a big superhero movie with Suicide Squad, but the previous Suicide Squad had all these issues and problems with it. So it's not even like he's starting from scratch. He's doing this movie, and this movie has this like really tainted, weird legacy. Mm-hmm. And he essentially ended up... came out on top. I You know, I, I every once in a while I'll come across... A blurb or a little review or something that's a negative about Suicide Squad, but for the most part, everyone I on a personal level, everyone loves it. So I'm just gonna go off of that. I just really liked it because one, it had heart; two, it was violent; three, it understood the characters; Mm -hmm. four, four, they really figuring out how to handle Harley Quinn. Um, You know, John Cena is easily the top top three wrestler actors at this point also real quick to talk about john cena because as crazy as it is john cena has now has a whole fan base of people who oh he was kind of that wrestler guy but no i know him as the big actor guy as a wrestler for those of you who don't know and don't follow wrestling in terms of like john cena's legacy as a wrestler John Cena is a absolute 1,000% company man that does what he's told by Vince McMahon. And it's like, who better to play the character of Peacemaker in this movie than someone who is, to some degree, really like the Peacemaker? Right down to the fact that, and, and these are not rumors or, or, or opinions, right down to the fact that in the wrestling world, John Cena is known for what people call burying other wrestlers to the office, giving people bad names like behind their backs, and I don't want to spoil it, but there are certain things in Suicide Squad that very much relate to John Cena's real personality behind the scenes in wrestling. So even though I am, it sounds like I'm criticizing him, I mean, but at the same time, he did what he did. These are all facts. I, I, I am just trying to say in a roundabout way, it's perfect casting. 
I don't think anyone else could play Peacemaker given John Cena and his his true history and his true uh, his legacy. So, wow. Yeah, I know. It, it just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, he's really like that. It's like, Vince McMahon told me to do this. Well, I'm going to do it. Vince McMahon told Well, I'm going to do it. And it's like, that's Peacemaker's character. If, like, you know, if Waller needs me to do something, I'm going to do it. If America needs me, I'm going to do it. I don't care. You know, it's like this line about how, like, I want peace. And I don't care how many, you know, men and women and children I have to kill to get it. There's a parallel to his real life where it's like, I want to be the number one guy in wrestling. And I don't care how many people I have to step on or screw over to, to get that. And... Yeah, you know, I kind of love that, but also hate it. Yeah. So. Also, I'm thinking, you remember that weird-ass Nicolas Cage movie, The Weatherman? I do, yeah. That movie's about parenthood, but in a weird way. Leave No sure. Trace. Leave No Trace, obviously. Wait, wait, what's Leave No Trace? Why am I drawing a blank? What What is that? It's a movie that came out a couple years ago. By the by, the director who did Winter's Bone. Oh, duh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. You know, it's about a a father daughter who are yeah, living I, in a park in Oregon, and mm-hmm. and then are thrust into the world. Yeah, it's like a modern remake remake of Nell. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about now. Do you remember Nell? I do. Merkin has a makato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh you know, I have to throw in another kind of unconventional uh Paris, Texas pr- pr- parental movie. Oh, Paris, Texas is great. Paris, Texas is, is is a great movie about fatherhood, redemption, all everything. It's it's the perfect boring movie, I guess I'll say. There was I mean, a father. In the best way possible. Um yeah, also what's it called? Um Claudine is another it's a movie about stepfatherhood, mm. I guess. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, James Earl Jones, Diane Carroll. It's kind of a love story that it was also one of my dad's favorite movies. I watched it with him a lot, and it's this whole. Th- it's about like black romance, black love, which which we don't really get in a somewhat unconventional way. You know, it's about this guy, James Earl Jones. He's like a hardworking man, and he sees this woman. She's a single mother of six kids, and he's like, you know, none of that scares me off. I don't care. I'll take on the responsibility of being a stepfather. I like your kids, or I love your kids, rather. I love you. And I don't think we see that enough. I think the whole idea of ste- stepdads, now more than ever, to some sometimes get, like, a bad rap. And there's, due to, like, just social media talking points and all this nonsense. But it's like, you know, shout out to the stepdads out there, too. And John Q, obviously. Oh, man, John Q. Oh, man, what a, yeah, what a movie. Yeah. Yeah. You can don't like I you know, you might have some issues with the movie, but like you got No, like, but at its heart, at its heart. Yeah. Like when I I was like I fuck with someone that would do that. I don't know. Like you're just trying to be a good dude. And obviously, sure. don't get me started about capitalism, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But um I'm trying to think any other thoughts I had about because I feel like we're going to be talking about this a lot, you know, as... Yeah, going as, forward, sure. Going forward. I, I don't remember. Did you end up seeing that movie Searching? No. The John Cho movie that takes, com- that takes place completely on screens? Oh, yeah, I did. Like, a while ago. Yeah. I think that's one of the best ones of that style. 
Sure. See, you know, I, I, I agree because, yeah, post Blair Witch, obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff, but I think every uh, computer, once in a while. Computer screen, uh, computer screen film, not not um, found footage. It's still, slightly, it's still birthed from it, though. Is oh, what yes. I'm at. Yes. Yeah. But I consider it a slightly different new format. In yeah, my but, opinion. No. Well, no, but what I'm saying is a movie like that kind of had to be birthed. Post, you know, basically two decades of bad Blair Witch knockoffs, and that's what happens. It's like, okay, everyone's trying to do this whole Blair Witch found footage thing, so what can we do to, like, not be so stale and not copy? What can we do to kind of up the game? And I think a movie like that is, is, is why, and I think that's why we have a movie like that. Or Chronicle, or Bobcat Go. Oh, man, what's the Bobcat Go movie he did? The found footage uh, Bigfoot movie. Hold, hold oh, on. yeah. Because that that's was, a good. Uh, that was pretty great. He's a he, he's a great filmmaker. I was just thinking about his movies the other day too. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, this is pissing me off. Um, oh, sorry, Willow Creek, Willow Creek. Yeah, great movie. Have you? Did you ever see? You saw his movie Windy City Heat, right? Yeah. I was just thinking about. It's like I love that movie, but the older I get, it's like the movie's mean. I mean, he makes kind of mean movies. Like, I don't really, yeah, I don't want to yeah. talk. I don't want to talk about him right now. Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. Fair but enough. I just, I just think Searching, which is, um, yeah, right, about John Cho finds out that his daughter is missing, and it's told completely through the screen, and it's really fucking good. Yeah, I liked it. Wish I'd have seen it in the theater. Yeah, probably would have been dope. Yeah. And and that weird ass movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maggie. Oh yeah, I saw that at Toronto years ago. That yeah, it was like this whole like, oh we're gonna grizzle up Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's interesting because it's almost like um, it basically takes like you know it's like what if the final 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 moments of Shaun of the Dead were a whole movie kind of you know. It's like, oh, this person's infected. I love them. I can't, but you know, or, or trouble every day. It's almost like an extension of, of trouble every day to, to some degree. When you think about it, yeah. And I would just rather, I would just rather uh, see trouble every day. Did you see Don't Breathe Two yet? No. No, I like will because I saw. I, I I mean, the first one's cool. I just feel like the I I, I could be wrong because I haven't seen it, but I feel like the vibe of Don't Breathe Two. It's like, oh, he's a good guy now, and it's like, I guess he was mine in the first one. He was minding his own business, and people decided to rob and, and break into his house. But he also does something in the movie that's kind of like, oh, okay, everyone in this movie is is bad. And I just think in the second one, we're kind of rooting for him because he's protecting this girl. But it's like, well, wait a minute, you did something in the first one that's really messed up. And I'll just leave it at that. But I am going to yeah, say it. Yeah, it was, it was, he wasn't like a good dude. No, no. But he was minding his business. And That's they true. decided to rob him. But then he did some, I don't know. Yeah, I'll see it. I, oh, I do want to say, though, obviously, go, going back, we mentioned Trouble, I mentioned Trouble every day. We're going back to Claire Denis, I think 35 Shots of Rum is also another great uh, dad movie. Uh, I, 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 I feel bad if I forgot to mention that. Well, yeah, that's like, you know, because she definitely has a lot of bad dad movies. Um, yeah, she does. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, damn. All right, well, I haven't gotten any uh, 
any alerts yet from my wife, so I guess my son is still, he's still chilling, and chilling in the womb, but I'm ready for him to get out. Well, then, on that note, you know, <laughs> uh, I love you. I'm send my love to your family, and uh, I will love you too, man. We're well, it's weird. In. It's weird. It's weird hearing that now. Family. It's not just me and Tam anymore. Oh, it never was. True. Alright. Hey, hey, old bean. And you two baby sweets. I'm back in the studio. You know, I drove up in the parking lot, and the parking lot was empty with no cars out there, like, with nobody even in here. All the doors were locked from the inside. But I found a window cracked on the first floor, so now I'm in here. Let's rap. So I come in here to talk to my son, you know? But for this next album you got coming out, you know, it's been such a spiritual feel, and I had to come back in the studio just to see what he was doing. Cause I was getting those vibes all out in the Rocky Mountains. I said, I got to go, you know? I understand I'm finna be a grandfather, and I'm so proud. I can say that in many ways. I can say, I'm so happy, I'm so proud. You know, son, I won't give you, you know, any direction in parenting at this stage because I think it's gonna come to you just like it came to me. So you came to me and your mom from the spiritual world. We just the physical parents, you know. God loaned you to us. It's God's spirit. We the physical parents, you know. Like I said, I'm not gonna give you no directions, you know. But I know when you start teaching me, see, we talk about the life and education of one line and land. I think I'm the one that got taught. I do believe that, son, you know. And I know when you started teaching me, too. You know, I was hanging out mad at the world. My professional basketball career was over. And I didn't believe in the red, white, and blue anymore. And I was dissipating heavily. I wasn't experimenting. You know, and one morning you just look across the table at me, and it was like, what? What you gonna be? What you gonna do? You got the responsibility to teach me the right things. You got the responsibility to teach me truth and respect and love and safety, you know? And my knees start getting a little stronger. You know, I said, I can't get past these eyes, man. It's just, just the eyes of a babe looking at me. And I couldn't look it off. I couldn't even play it off, you know. And immediately I started getting to the roadmap saying, like, how am I going to do this? You know, I had to thank the Almighty for the strength that he sent to me through you. So I'm here to say, you know, thank you, son. I'm here to say I'm so proud numerous other things because you've been a teacher to me just like I have supposed to have been a teacher to you because a lot of people think that parenting and raising a child is a one-way street but you taught me continuous numerous lessons and I love you my son